Welcome to Fans of the Forge. I'm Chris. To my right, we have... Teresa. Calling in via Skype, we have... I'm Sean. And we are covering Forged in Fire, Season 5, Episode 36, Steel, Take Down Bow. This was an interesting episode. Some weird little tie-ins and with uh, some motion picture action coming out soon, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um... We'll get yeah. into that when it when it's time, but let's start things right off and get into our contestants. First up, we had Tommy, who had four years of full-time experience, and that was Teresa and Sean's underdog picks. Next, we had Michael, the ringer, with 42 years of part-time experience, and he was an armorer and a bladesmith, and I picked him to win. Then we had... Herbert, a.k.a. Sindri, which is what he goes by when he's forging. Three years part-time experience. And then Dana with six years of part-time experience. And that was my underdog, Sean and Teresa's main picks to win. For round one, contestants were given six inches of rod, W1 steel, and they must forge a crusader dagger which was a useful sidearm for Crusader Knights used in close quarters battle. It was multifunctional as a weapon and a tool, and it had to be between 12 and 15 inches long with a quad hollow, a.k.a. diamond-shaped grind, and a through tang. So right off the bat, they're given a little bit more of a difficult task because they had to make a specific blade rather than their signature blade. But I guess they didn't have to do any sort of funky Damascus or anything, so it kind of made it a little easier in that regard. There was just a single steel that they're working with. It was round stock, though, so they had to deal with that. Yeah, they had to deal with getting that round stock drawn out into the right billet size and everything, so they they were able to, to do it. Yeah. So, Tommy, he had a handle um, that he put on his W1 and it wasn't really welded very well. So when he brought it over to the power hammer, the thing kind of bent out of whack, but I think it didn't break and he was able to kind of salvage it and still use it. Um, he had a pretty good profile of his blade and he was the only one that they showed going over to the big fan in the back to th while he was thermocycling his blade so he would just go over there to cool it down and then heat it back up and cool it down before he did his quench. Uh, then he moved on to the grinder and he quenched with about 15 minutes left to round one. Michael showed off by making his own fullering tool like right off the bat to do that quad hollow for this dagger. And uh, it's a neat tool. I've seen that in some of the blacksmithing books that uh we've checked out some of the different tools and things that you can make and uh you know it was cool that he was able to get it together so quickly because if used properly it could really make the job a lot easier and not have to work on grinding all that shape out of the blade he also wore a gauntlet glove and the judges are like what what is this what why does he have this and he's, Basically, it's like, oh, I had a wrist injury, and this just helps keep my wrists, like, supported, supported. and it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that was an interesting look. I mean, 
<laughs> most people just have like a little cloth like you know thing that just kind of sits on there he, he was an armorer anyway so he just said well i'm just gonna build a whole whole thing so it's interesting yeah yeah anyway he moved uh with his fullering tool over to big blue and that was something that was mentioned i believe by ben abbott early on like as soon as they realized he was making a fullering tool they said, well, I hope he doesn't use that in Big Blue. I hope he goes over to the press to use that because that sort of tool is not meant for a power hammer, whereas a press can easily, you know, it's a Slower. slow process versus a slamming process on these things that's, you know, welded quickly to make a, a tool as quick as possible. But he went over to Big Blue, and it messed up his blade thickness pretty bad, and he had to cut a chunk off. And then he ended up like abandoning the tool altogether because I think he messed that up as well. And then he just had to grind that quad hollow into his blade. Did you see what his blade looked like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> After that, it was insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was pretty screwed up. It was, uh, it was crazy. Poor guy. But, oh, well. Moved on. He was uh, the last guy to go over to grind. And, uh, and then when he went to quench... He got an arm cramp, and he dropped his blade into the oil. But he was able to use that fullering tool he made, attaching a magnet to it to get the blade back out of the oil. So, hey, he got some good use out of it. (laughs) Then Sindri. I don't know why we wrote it this way, but it says, Sindri, the press did nothing. Oh, okay. He, As he was he, trying to use the press to like make the billet, it didn't do anything. Right. So <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't doing anything to the actual steel. It wasn't actually deforming it at all when he was trying to use the press. Likely because he hadn't heated it enough, is my guess. Like I feel like if it was warm enough or hot enough, it would have deformed more. Is deformed the right word? Well, it's deformation, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've never said it that way before. I know it, it doesn't strange. sound right, but I, that's the that's the term. But he ended up he used Big Blue and he fell in love with Big Blue. His words. After uh, around forty five minutes, he quenched his blade, um, but doesn't leave it in the oil long enough. So he he keeps trying to check the hardness, and the thing is still glowing. Like that's. I mean, we don't even do this, but that's a beginner thing right there. Like, if it's still glowing, it ain't cold yet. It didn't harden at all. And so he ended up quenching three times um, before he was able to get the blade to harden. Now, being W1, I know they're all quenching in oil, but we've heard that W1 is our water-quenching steel. That's what the W is for. So I've never seen anyone use W1 and then quench it in water yet. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess that the W does stand for being water quenched, is what we were. It was explained to us that way, at least. Um, I don't know why people don't do do use it for that. Then, if that's supposed supposedly supposed to be the preferred quenching medium, but eh, who knows. Anyway, we move on. Dana, he got stuck waiting right off the bat to weld his handle on. 
Uh, eventually, he got it on, though. So it's just one little thing. It's like they had to make a point of showing him doing something, so they showed him standing while waiting to use the welding machines. He also fell in love with Big Blue. <laughs> Ever, with 45 minutes left, he had a really wonky-shaped blade, and that's the term we're going to use for it because it wasn't consistent throughout the profile of the blade at all. It was all over the place, really, and it was just... It was something. It was something, all right. And uh, he had some problems with his quench, uh, and he had to go back into the forge and, and reheat it up. And it didn't go so great for, for Dana. Uh, judging Tommy, David Baker said he had nice straight lines, but overall was really big. And Teresa made a note, and I agreed with it. And it's interesting because this same note ended up coming up for a different person's later on. She's like, that looks more like a gladius than a dagger. And she was right. Like, the profile of it had a Roman gladius shape. And uh, that was just her opinion. And that ended up coming up with Dana. I believe Ben Abbott said that same thing. This is more of a gladius shape. So I think Tommy did the same thing. It was similar. You were right in your your, uh, description. (laughs) Then Michael... Ben says it was not the traditional shape. It had more of a taper on the end, um, and he had run out of time to finish the grinding on his blade. Then Sindri, Doug said it has a good shape, but he had cracks across the edge of the blade. That's never good. And then Dana, again, Ben mentioned it was a gladius shape, and his was really, really warped. It was just not looking good. But when it came down to it, Sindri gets the boot. The repeated quenching caused some really bad cracks through his blade to the point that he would not be able to salvage his work. And so we moved on to round two. All right, round two. The contestants must attach the handle, a cross guard, and a pommel. So Tommy goes right to the grinder. He cuts too much steel from his guard, and then... It's just kind of sloppy when he puts it over the tang. So what do you do to fix that? Well, you just weld it onto the blade. (laughs) So, you know, of course, they all freak out. All the judges freak out. My thought would have been, why don't you just weld a little bit on the inside of the hole and then file that down and then make it fit tighter? Why, you know, don't weld the the guard to the blade. Just put some weld in the... Oh, yeah. Almost like putty. you created Right, so, so you're adding material back to it, then you can then grind that out with the file. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, um, and then he wrapped his tang with paracord, and Ben was like, I don't really like paracord. I don't know how good that's going to be. Whatever, dude. Like, if you don't <laughs> like it, don't put it in for the materials for the guys to use if it's that big. <laughs> or you're just setting them up, them up for failure by leaving it there. So either way, you know, whatever. Uh, Michael is happy with his shape, so he starts to work on the cross guard. Um, he drops his blade tip point down, and it broke a huge chunk off. Oh, yeah. Off of the end, the tip just breaks off. I don't know, it was like an inch. And he has a lot, of, lot to finish in the last hour. But he forms it back somehow. And it actually came out all right. And then Dana goes to fix the warp with the torch. 
And the judges say, well, he's just taking the temper out of it. So then he's also going to have to reheat treat it and retemper it. I don't know if that ever happened. I'm going to say no. (laughs) You know, it's it's whatever. Um, And then he grabbed camel bone and he cracked it twice while trying to put it on. And he calls himself an idiot for doing the same thing twice. Um, And then he puts painter's tape around the tang. Puts epoxy on the tape and then wraps some some leather on top of that. And that's his handle. This is one of the worst handles ever seen on the show. Oh, yeah. Easily. Worst one. Have we seen anything worse than that? I don't think so. We haven't seen all the episodes, though. I really don't. <laughs> I don't know that anybody's ever taught that. There was one very similar, actually. It was, um, I can't remember what. There was, uh, she might have been one. She was probably, I think, one of the first female contestants that was on the show. And she was strapped for time at the end. And all she did was wrap. She just took one like big piece of leather, just wrapped it around, and I think just kind of tied it. And that's all she did. And then she got eliminated for that oh so not not a good uh way to to make a handle so anyway moving on to the tests we have the strength test which is steel sheet stab so ben takes a baton hammers the the pommel end of it driving the tip into the steel plates tommy the profile is good the cord wrap is actually good feels good so he passes dana um, Ben says, you and I both know that's not a <laughs> And the tank bent because it had no support and a piece of the tip broke off. Yep. And Michael, he had some edge roll near the tip, but otherwise well done. Then a sharpness test, a coin slice and liberate the coins from the bag. So Doug's hacking at the bags. Tommy obliterated the bag. Edges are sharp. It will cut. Dana. It's not a real handle, but it will cut. And Michael, it kind of cuts, but also rips. It will cut. And Dana gets the boot for his lack of a real handle. Yep. Yeah, they couldn't let that pass. There was just no way. So then for round three, it was the steel takedown bow that they were building. So this is inspired by the new Robin Hood film. Which I'm very excited about. I had no idea there was a new Robin Hood film. Jamie Foxx and Taron Egerton um, gave the background on the weapon. So the parameters. In- oh, quick note. But- we like Taron Egerton because he was in the Kingsman, Kingsman movies. And yes. those movies are badass. Jamie Foxx is cool too. But this Robin Hood movie, I don't know. It seems weird. Well... All right, I don't know a lot about Robin Hood. Did so? Did he have some guy like teach him? No. Oh, I don't. I don't. I have no idea. As far as I know, he was just kind of an entity unto himself, and he had his like band of merry men. Right. Well, if I don't know the story well enough to know his background, though. If Jamie Foxx is so badass, why does why is he like teaching Robin Hood to do the same stuff? Why doesn't he just be be Robin Hood basically? Is he just trying to pass on legacy? Go, but like, he's, go watch the movie, Sean. <laughs> he's pretty. He seems to be pretty kick ass, and and I don't know why he, why he's going through this trouble. He's like a mentor. He's not gonna live forever. 
It didn't seem like a mentor relationship, though. It seemed like they were not fans of each other. He was like, shoot me. He was like, just shoot me. That was his whole thing. He knew he wouldn't be able to, but he was telling well, him, kill I mean, me. It's still like a teaching method, but I, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, he was like, all right, enough of this. Yeah, just shoot me. You bum. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I'm not going to watch this movie. <laughs> I'm going to watch this movie, and I'll tell you all about it. Tell me all about it. <laughs> um, the parameters for the bow needs to be an all-steel construction, 44 to 46 inches long, um, due to the clandestine nature of Robin Hood's operation, it needs to be broken down into separate pieces. Um, in this case, two separate pieces. And then reassembled for use. Must have three arrows that have um, a bodkin tip yep. that are one and a quarter inch long. And must have a knuckle duster. So at their home forges, Michael, on day one, configures his new propane forge to be able to forge long pieces. His forge was really just a bunch of fire bricks that were stacked up. I don't know that he had any other particular like sheet metal or anything else to kind of guide it. It looked like it was just basically he he laid out a bunch of fire bricks and then put his propane burner. Yeah, it looked like it was just a table full of fire bricks. Yeah. And then the burner setup was only like that long. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was missing there. Um Nothing shown for day two. Day three, he quenches the limbs. So clearly day two was spent, you know, making limbs. Yep. <laughs> um, day three, quenches the limbs, knocks one of the pieces off his wire during the quench. Day four, takes a break. And then on day five, prods tempered overnight and finishing on the bow. And then as he's like testing it and showing the camera guy how it's going to work, the bow string snaps <laughs> he's like oh fuck and then they just cut away <laughs> obviously he had yeah, no bearing on it. Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's like walking into the studio <laughs> good thing you tested it <laughs> um for tommy at his home forge day one started working on the grip and decides to use a recurve design day two finishes the limbs of the bow and quenches um day three is more quenching creates socket and then realizes it doesn't meet the parameters and then day four is spent working on the arrowheads yep. um, so when they come in for testing this is now probably a good time to mention that archery is the thing that I do at the camp that I go to so as they're T- doing Teresa <laughs> isn't just an archery instructor she is an archery teacher instructor she teaches archery teachers how to teach archery Right. So keep that in mind, people. <laughs> Continue. So they go in for the testing. They're doing a function test where they fire three arrows at the target. And Dave Baker did this one and put the arrows in his pocket. <laughs> Don't put arrows in your pocket. There's lots of quiver. You can, you can use like an orange safety cone as a quiver. It doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> Don't put arrows in your pocket. By now, everybody knows how I feel about safety. <laughs> So, Tommy, um, his bow is taken apart and goes back together, okay? Fires three arrows. Um, the artistry is great, and it fires beautifully. Michael passes the function test. The shelf allows for easy aiming. It's, the bow itself is loose when attached. It looks good, though. It's heavy, 
and it has a heavy draw weight. So uh, you'll see all the judges as they're trying to fire this bow, none of them can really pull it back all the way to where they're supposed to pull it because the, the draw weight is so heavy. For the kill test, um, Doug is shooting at a ballistics dummy. For Tommy, it hits the dummy in the groin and it counts as a kill because of the artery that's right there. Um, the bow is has comfortable to hold and has an easy draw. With <laughs> Michael's, Doug really wants to punch something. So he's more impressed by the, the knuckle duster aspect of it. <laughs> um, the rest is a great addition. The big issue is how heavy it is, but it will kill. And then for the strength test, Ben was the one doing the strength test. It was an armored knight with a ceramic chest plate. So for Tommy's, Ben has, oh, <laughs> I made a note. It's like Ben has terrible shooting form. <laughs> but, you know, they're close enough that he's able to hit the target. And um, I guess this is what I really want on my rant about the arrows in the pocket. <laughs> well, we, we missed something there because at first you also thought that Doug had the arrows in his back pocket as oh, well. Yeah. But he was wearing... 5'11 tactical pants that have holsters built into the pants in the back. So I gave Doug a pass. <laughs> yeah, he got he got a pass because he did have weapon holsters built into his pants. So back to the strength test with Tommy's bows and arrows. Um, they broke the ceramic chest plate that was in there, but all of the arrowheads bent. And then for Michaels, it was really heavy. He wishes, he being Ben, wishes it had um, a mechanical securing method because it was like wiggly. Um, for the arrowheads, one tip flattened and the other bent and then the third arrow w missed the target. And so Tommy wins. Yay. Yay for Tommy. Congratulations, Tommy. Oh, that's Chris's moody because Sean and I got points. So that puts me at 39, Chris has 27, and Sean now has 28. Yeah. You can pass. Points don't matter. You're right, they don't. It's all for fun. Have fun. No. <laughs> anyway, that was the episode, season five, episode 36, the steel takedown bow. It was a fun one. You know, I like the idea of a bow that you had to take apart and then be able to put back together and use some cool stuff. Um, there's you guys that... seen a really cool preview for the Robin Hood movie. Yeah, there you go. You're Check... saying it's really cool, but that you also don't want to see it. It's terrible. I'm not... yeah, it's awful. And this was the first one in a while that we heard and we did not hear about the Dominations mobile game. Maybe it's not in Dominations. Well, probably in this movie instead. Yeah. But anyway, the game probably doesn't have the ability to fire arrows, I guess. I'm pretty sure it did. I'm pretty sure I was able to build the bow and arrow when I tried it for like that day. Anyway, that was the episode. There's at least another one or two episodes left. And you know, I bet they probably shot this one long before they did some of these other episodes and like had to wait until now because the movie was coming out for them to be able to tie it in. Mm -hmm. But there's still at least another few episodes coming up because I just saw Ray Kirk posting a buddy of his is going to be on an episode like next week. Plus, there was a special 
forged in fire knife or death crossover shoot that happened this week for something called Blades Giving that's supposed to possibly be airing on Thanksgiving Day, from what I understand. So next Thursday. So from what I understand, which is a really quick turnaround for an episode, so I don't know if it's going to be a full episode or what, but they had four competitors that were on Knife or Death there. They had two lamb there as well, hanging on set. And I really don't know what the the rest of it was, but I know that they shot some sort of Blades Giving episode. So we'll keep an eye out for that one, I guess, as well. And um, it's the season that never ends. It's the season that never ends. It's <laughs> on and on, my friend. I'm not going to go the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to. So thanks, everybody, for watching this episode or listening if you're listening to the podcast. If you are listening to the podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast player of choice because it helps get us higher in the rankings not that we are anywhere in the rankings at all but you never know and go to our youtube page like and subscribe to the page there or follow us on instagram we are around 760 on instagram right now which if you think about it we were in pigeon forge what a little over a month ago sean maybe going on six weeks We've gained 50% of our followers since then. Like, we went from 500 to 750 in a little over six weeks, which compared to the amount of time we were doing this show prior to going to Pigeon Forge to, to the amount of time it took us to get those 500, like we gained a lot of followers in the last <laughs> six weeks. So um, thanks, everybody that follows us on there and, and likes our pictures and all that good stuff. It's... It's fun to get that little bit of internet love sometimes. And, uh, yeah, okay, that's the episode. Uh, We'll catch you next week. Bye. (laughs)